Good morning, I'm Frank Powers, and this is Lifestyle Tucson, the program where I speak to our neighbors, the people behind the scenes of our amazing organizations, small businesses, and nonprofits. Our friends are informing you how they serve our community, and they are here to give you updates on future projects. Let's make some new friends today. If you've ever wished you could grow your own tasty organic food, Community Gardens of Tucson has a plot for you. They have 17 gardens located across the city, each with automatic irrigation tools. And when you garden with the Community Gardens of Tucson, you become a member of a supportive gardening community that is with you every step of the way. Meet new friends and have lots of fun while enjoying your harvest. And making new friends is the theme of Lifestyle Tucson. So I give that message a big green thumbs up because today I'm fortunate enough to speak with Natalie Shep, Board Vice President of Community Gardens of Tucson. Natalie, welcome to Lifestyle Tucson. Thank you so much, happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. My friend Tom gave me the scoop on what you're doing and I love community gardens because community is my favorite thing. Even in movies, like I love when a ragtag group of kids get together and work on a project and at the end they save the orphanage or in fact maybe feed a community here. So that's really fun. Why don't you give me a little uh, 101 about what the Community Gardens of Tucson is all about? Sure. So the Community Gardens of Tucson is, we're now a 30-year-old nonprofit organization. We have 17 gardens located throughout the city of Tucson. And it's designed so that people can sign up for a six-month growing period. And you basically rent a plot. The plots are about 60 square feet. And when you opt in for that growing period, you're going to pay $22 a month, and that's going to get you the water, the space, the education, the tools. And then gardeners themselves are uh, need to basically supply like the soil amendments, compost, manure, things like that, seeds and plants. And so it's a great way to, if, you're, if you've never gardened before, especially, or if you've come from the East Coast and you come here and you want to garden, Oftentimes we do see people who are um, maybe trying to grow in the same way they did back east or in the Midwest. And oftentimes, you know, it's it's opposite here. So you do have to kind of relearn how you're growing. So it's a great way to get that education. And then, you know, it is the community gardens of Tucson. So the idea is that we are building community through gardening and that we bring people together in these beautiful spaces and share produce amongst ourselves, share ideas, make it a beautiful community space. And it is really wonderful to be a, be, to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm happy to be on the board and to, and to have been a part of the organization for the last 13 years. I mean, that sounds super cheap. I'm canceling Disney Plus as I speak because I'd rather <laughs> leave the house, get off the couch and come hang out and make some real friends. That's right. Those new Marvel shows have been terrible. All right. So... That's the thing about it. I want people to really realize what this is because, again, it's another one of our great organizations in Tucson that's providing an opportunity uh, to fight against the thing that everyone still claims exists. I'm bored, mm. right? A lot of people are bored. A lot of people think there's nothing to do. And I always tell people to go volunteer, go get involved, but specifically get out of the house. And this is how people make friends. I have a lot of adult friends that they don't know how to make new friends. And I've always told them that volunteering is the way to do it. My big message that I always say, and it might be every episode, don't make your friends do the things you want to do. Make friends with people doing the things that you want to do. Exactly. They're out there. You don't need to go start your own community garden organization. There's one that's been around for 30 years, and you might just be hearing about it now. And that's why I love what I do here at Lifestyle Tucson. We get to shout out the good news, the good news here in our community, and build that community, and not just build, but grow. That's the word of the day, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to the gardens, let's talk about the programs because you have a lot of great programs. And I really want to take the time to just dissect them a little bit because I want to go through them one by one. 
So let's talk about the first one. That is the one that get got my attention the most. And it's helping kids because helping kids is really the other main thing that I love to do with the show, getting awareness out there for things that kids can do. So you have your kids and gardens program for youth K through sixth. Tell me about that one. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Jessica Paul, who basically created this program um, from from the ground up. Um, she has participated in a number of different trainings to really educate herself and build the curriculum out uh, so that students can really learn about all the benefits of gardening. So it's, you know, it's everything from soil preparation to w- when to plant. She's working with schools and with um, uh, homeschool groups, and she's going out to different schools such as Homer Davis, um, Mary Meredith, uh, Pio Decimo, working with a wide variety of, of students and, and the teachers. And there's so many benefits that come from getting kids in the garden. Um, not only, I mean, we have, we definitely have some public health issues, right, that, that are addressed just in one fell swoop with kids in the garden. And, uh, you know, we look at things like the, you know, obesity rates that are happening, mm-hmm. diabetes. So, of course, if you look at food, you know, when kids actually have a hand in growing the food, planting the seeds, pulling a carrot out of the ground, they really have buy-in. And when they have buy-in, they're much more likely to actually eat that food. That makes a lot of damn sense. Yes. (laughs) Pardon my language. When you actually plant a seed and you wash that sprout and you tend to it, you do end up wanting to eat it. I've seen it time and time again. So it's, it's, it really has a big impact just on what they're eating, but there are other impacts too. I mean, you're looking at um, physical health. They're, they're out there digging. They're, you know, working the compost and doing all those different things that, that take physical exertion. And the other thing that people really don't think about that I've been trying to talk about more is the mental health benefits mm-hmm. because we do know that we have a mental health crisis in this country, probably around the world post-COVID. And there's something that happens when you get in the garden and you you kind of don't expect necessarily. For myself, I got into gardening because I wanted to grow vegetables. And I've really found that the impact that I'm having, the benefit it's having on me, is even bigger in the mental health space. So if I, you know, if we can get those kids out in the garden, uh, cooperating with one another, just having your hands in the soil, being outside in a fresh air and a beautiful space that has flowers growing, beads pollinating flowers. You can watch that activity. You can see what's happening in a compost pile and how you can take waste and actually then put it back into your plot and watch your plants grow from the waste. There is just something that's really invigorating and um, it, it can have a really big impact for, for kids um, when they get out in the garden. So um, it's a really helpful program and we're, we're happy that we have it. We're happy we have Jessica leading it. No, it's a, it is a big deal. And it even does uh, help low-income communities too, I saw and read about, which mm-hmm. is a huge thing to do. Because again, there's not a ton of opportunities for everyone equally, but when it comes to gardening and doing that, there are. Mm-hmm. You don't need an iPad to garden. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets you away from the iPad, really. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'm not sure if you notice, kids love tools. Yes. Gardening comes with a lot of tools that we don't think about. It's not yeah. about bandsaws and sharp things like that, but it is about shovels, digging. Kids love to dig. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> I used to work at the Tucson Village Farm, so I worked with kids all the time in the garden, and I didn't find one kid who didn't want to dig right? in the soil with a shovel that was the right size for them. Mm-hmm. you got to make sure you get the right size tools, and once you do, they're out there. And it's, it's kind of just, I guess— in, core to who we are mm-hmm. obviously you know it's kind of where we came from and it's it just comes right back you just see it that they it's just something they want to do and it's it's fantastic to watch yeah we were talking off air a little bit about let's 
go to the next program. And it's what kind of just expands on the kids gardening. It's family gardening. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the kids. Get your brother, get your sister, get your older siblings, get the cousins, get the parents out. All my friends with kids are always so bored because they can't afford to go do all the things. Going to the movies now is a fortune. Doing lots of things is really tough to do with a family. And they're always trying to entertain their kids constantly figuring out new ways to entertain their kids. You can't sign them all up for hockey. You can't sign them all up for every sport and send yourself everywhere. Give yourself the freedom of volunteering. It's not a commitment like, again, I bring up sports because my nephew is in hockey and the amount of expense that my friends back in the Northeast, hockey's big, lacrosse is big. They will spend so much time and effort in these camps and these things and the equipment. And it's so much. Mm -hmm. Whereas getting out there with your entire family to do a fun community activity, whether it's volunteering at some of these organizations helping the homeless, right? That can be a little scary for an adult. Yeah. That people have stranger danger. You're not going to be afraid of plants. Right. right? <laughs> so go out and help these gardens and give yourself a weekend opportunity to really say like, hey, kids, we're going to play farmer this weekend. We're doing this. Mm-hmm. This is a big day. It's a big fun event. So I love the family gardening program and the camp about it. So tell me about the family gardening camp. Well, we um, really the best opportunity to get into the garden with families is, well, if you're a gardener, obviously, and, you, and you're renting a plot, then we would encourage you to bring your family out there and be a part of it. When I started, um, one, so the, when I got involved with the Community Gardens of Tucson, it was through starting one of our gardens at the mm-hmm. Highland Vista Garden. And the reason that I wanted to do that, I had small children at the time. And I attempted to, to grow a garden in my backyard, but I'm in an older neighborhood. I have a lot of overgrown vegetation and I didn't, it just wasn't conducive to growing well. I had too much shade. So I worked with the community gardens of Tucson to start a garden in my neighborhood. And then I started actively growing and working in the garden with my children. And I found that that was really, so. it was just so amazing to be able to see how excited they were about it. And like I said, they're just, they love to see the result of it. But even if it's just for one day and you're not, um, you know, a renter of a plot, mm-hmm. you can still get out there every Saturday. We have the, the garden work days. So we started doing this just last year and we found that it's been really, really successful. It's an opportunity for people who aren't already involved in the community gardens of Tucson to come check out the gardens, actually do the work in the garden, bring the whole family. Um, there's going to be a wide variety of projects, um, you know, even from things from just doing basic, you know, compost uh, maintenance to you know, we have raised beds at some of our gardens that, that needed to be built, mm-hmm. or we have Bermuda grass issues. So just getting that Bermuda grass tended to. Um, we have a lot of different projects where we're building things. We had we recently had a uh, Eagle Scout come out and build a, a board, like a community board in, in front of one of our gardens. Oh, nice. Um, and so it's it, we have those now we're starting. It was We weren't doing it when it was uh, too hot outside, but now that it's getting into the cooler months, we are going to start uh, scheduling those again starting in September. And every single Saturday, there's going to be a different work day at a different garden with different activities. And then there's an educational component to it as well. So each garden work day, part of the time you're in there working with your kids, working with the family, working with the other people in the garden. And the other part of the time, there's going to be some sort of educational element to it. Um, our One of the ones that's coming up is on September 9th at the Blue Moon Community Garden, which is one of our um, most beautiful gardens. It's located right next to the Tucson House. Uh, near downtown Tucson, and um, we're going to have just a general gardening 101 workshop that day. Love it. So if you're just getting started, join us out at the Blue Moon Garden on September 9th and uh, in the morning. I think it's eight in the morning. Um, we're going to have all of those workdays posted on our on our website, 
and uh, you can you can join anyone, and you don't even you know you just show up. You don't have to RSVP or anything like that. Oh, brilliant! Mm-hmm. All right, make your plans, mark your calendar. If you don't make that one, every Saturday you got something to do with the family and That's the right. kids. How old were your, were your kids when like this started? Um, they were about four and seven. Okay. Or, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I love it mm-hmm. because I'm willing to bet that that's the big thing about doing it with very, very young kids. You can impact some that might make them go, oh, this might be what I want to do for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. Getting yeah. involved, mm-hmm. getting out in plants, uh, getting out with plants. And I think removing some of the fear, yeah. I think is a part of it because something you do as a kid, then later you're like, no, it's easy to grow tomatoes. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's a really big, important thing for growing up. And I think that that's just really amazing to really get kids out there doing that stuff and getting the hands-on experience and getting dirty. And just learning about where their food comes from. Yeah. Because I can tell you from any experience working with kids, if you were to ask a, a, a child who hasn't been in the garden or been been on a farm, where does your food come from? Do you know what the answer would be? McDonald's. Or the store. <laughs> the store. That's yeah. the answer. Yeah. So we're, we need to make the connection of where it's actually coming from and what it involves to to. You know, it involves a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're dealing with some pretty significant challenges with climate change. That things that were predictable are no longer predictable. Right. So it's a matter of kind of connecting just your yourself to the earth and really being dialed in to what's happening. Those are valuable skills to be teaching young people. They are. I honestly say this a lot. I think that some of the people when we talk about mental health, I feel that some of the people that have that problem when it comes to, I'll say specifically men. Uh, and young men, is they are disconnected from nature to a degree, the biology of all of us that we are part of this ecosystem. And I think that guys really like lose some of their humanity to a degree. And some of that is being stuck inside, being introverted, not getting the skills to then become a little out, out, you know, outgoing and they get trapped. And that ends up being some of that incel movement in a way where kids are incapable and they end up being really negative and resentful toward the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And the Surgeon General talked about this this past year. I'm not sure if you heard this. Loneliness was like declared an yeah. epidemic mm-hmm. right now. And I know it. I know that's a problem because I don't have it. I don't have that problem. But I had it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just flexed this muscle to be this outgoing guy because I didn't want to be the nerd I saw in every movie that just was getting beat up mm-hmm. like I was. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the point. But I know a lot of people and an entire generation are having a tough time because of some of the disconnect, the stranger danger, the uh, the the phones and the and the the technology being a little too distracting and a little too serotonin addicting and that yeah. sort of stuff. You're going to feel that serotonin when you are involved in a community garden. Absolutely. You have to pry yourself out of the house and you have to leave your comfort zone because you'll never be comfortable if you don't walk towards something that you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that you'll never find the light switch for a dark room if you don't go in it. And it might be right there on the wall mm-hmm. or it might be across the room, mm-hmm. but go toward it and it'll solve your problem. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you because I know I, I've already told people privately about like, oh, you have to see this organization that I'm going to interview because it's exactly what you've been complaining about. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you think doesn't exist. It's exactly what you think you need to start. Mm-hmm. All of you should just get together. You all know me, right? <laughs> Uh, go, just yeah. go on a Saturday and get involved. Absolutely. So talk to me about food resiliency. That's another program that you have. And mm-hmm. it's important. It's it's uh, funded, provides low to no cost gardening opportunities, primarily economically marginalized individuals. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple different facets we're working on in that space. 
Um, one is uh, that we offer uh, scholarships or plot fee assistance to those who qualify. And we do uh, have a, a good number of our gardeners are on plot fee assistance. It's a tiered system depending on different factors. You can definitely look at our website, communitygardensoftucson.org, to see all the details about that. We want to make sure that our gardens are open to everybody, not just to um, people who can afford the $22 a month. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's a big part of what we do. And then um, the other thing is that we have uh, recently received a grant from the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona. They have a Thriving Communities grant we received this year. And we really want to be looking at our model and, and deciding, you know, is this a model that works for everybody? And I think that we've come to the conclusion that we might need to make some changes and, and do some tweaking to ensure that there's things like accessibility, mm -hmm. right? So we, we have raised beds, but can you get around the raised beds in a wheelchair? Is the ground too uneven to, to uh, walk on if you have a walker um, or if you have some disability? So we're looking at accessibility issues. And then getting back to the uh, grant, we, we got the grant for the Blue Moon Garden, which is the, the one I mentioned previously. Because that's located at uh, right next to Tucson House, which is the largest low-income housing um, unit that the city owns, okay. um, um, most of the folks who live in the Tucson House are disabled or el elderly or veterans, and they need extra assistance. So most of the folks in that garden are on plot fee assistance, but it also has a beautiful ramada with tables and chairs. It has an orchard. It has a composting toilet. And so we really want to build up that space as a community building space. It's also in the Thrive in the 05 community, which is the, uh, the city's initiative to um, basically improve the 85705 neighborhood. Oh. And they really are using our garden as a flagship space for folks. Um, we want to look at it like, how can we make this space really welcoming even for people who are houseless? Mm -hmm. um, how can how can we make it so that they feel welcome coming in and being a part of it? Um, maybe, you know, community plots, being able to um, pick, the, pick from the orchard, provide educational opportunities so they can understand, you know, how to prepare the food. A lot of people We'll, we'll grow food and they'll just like, I don't know what to do with it or I have too much of it. How do I deal with storage? That kind of thing. So we are going to be um, building more educational opportunities at that garden. And it is specifically designed for low-income people. And it, that particular garden, it's, it's specific for that community. We're really targeting that community. There's a lot of need there. There's a lot of um, homelessness. There's a lot of uh, addiction that you see there. Um you know, you see a lot of conflict. There is, there's a number of incidences that, that have happened in that garden. So it kind of provides us with a new perspective to really be able to look at what are we offering and how do we tweak it so that it actually works for everybody. You know, our, in our historical model, we kind of rely on every single gardener to learn how to change their drip tape and, and do that if they get a leak or if, they, you know, if, if it needs to be changed. Well, that might not be a realistic expectation for people who are disabled or really elderly, right? So we mm -hmm. need to be looking at that and um, determining what works for everybody. And so we're really trying to do that through this, through this opportunity that we've gotten with the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona. And, um, and then we're gonna learn from it and hopefully build on it. And then we do have a number of other gardens that are located in similar kinds of communities. And we wanna make sure that the garden is working for, for the folks that live there, so. As you're saying all that, the only word that pops in my head like is like, oh, you're defining a beacon. And beacons are always so, uh, uh, usually associated with uh, beacons of hope. 
That's what you have right there. That garden is a beacon for place for That's people right. looking for something. And you just described exactly what so many people are looking for, mm-hmm. right? So go find that garden and find these gardens. They're all over our community in Tucson. With how many are you up to, did you say? 17. 17. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Looking into the next year, do you have plans or is there like a template for your goal is to open three new gardens a year or five a year? Or is like, how does that work? It's a good question, and it does come up a lot. There are, it's not uncommon that we get approached by folks who are like, I'd really like to start a community garden in my neighborhood. Oftentimes those questions come to me because I'm the person on the board who, who did it with mm-hmm. the Highland Vista Garden. Um, we don't really have those goals. We might someday, but I'll tell you what, just running a nonprofit, we have you know a very small amount of funds for paid staff, which mm-hmm. we do have, um, but we're trying to just become you know, um, a, a you know, not a work like our working board is basically doing a lot of the works. We're trying to uh, hire an executive director mm-hmm. and get to the point where we're a little bit more stable. And I think we are getting there. We've definitely grown our board of directors lately. We have a lot of great new folks with new ideas. Um, so we're kind of just working on stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we get to that point, once we have a, a, a an executive director and we can do more um, fundraising, then we would be willing to um, to grow in that way. Um, but it's not easy. The thing is about gardens is that oftentimes people will start, I've seen it a lot because I, I have been in this world for a number of years now with school gardens and with community gardens. It's not uncommon for people to love the idea, start the garden, and then not understand what it takes to maintain it and keep it sustainable. Yes. I think that's a lot of hobbies and things. Yes. A lot of things I just say, it's joining the gym. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to join, exactly. easy to sign up. It's also easy yeah. to start a small business when you're just making the funny name and the logo. And then mm-hmm. beyond that, it's like, oh, wait. Oh. There's all this work to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's a, there, you know, that's, that's, it, and so we're not discouraging folks. What we do is we are very clear now about what it takes. You need to make sure you have a piece of property that it has access to water, that you can get the shed, that you can uh, fence it off, and that you've got volunteers in place. Mm-hmm. You, each garden needs to have a site coordinator. That site coordinator then needs to organize all the gardeners, make sure they've paid, make sure that they have the education they need, they know how to do the, the irrigation, et cetera. I mean, it's a lot. There's, composting that happens some a lot of our gardens have orchards so that's additional maintenance so it's just a lot to maintain and um you just have to make sure that you're you've got what you need to really make it work because if it doesn't work and you open a garden and in a year or two it's it's just another piece of barren land you're kind of showing people it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and we don't want to do that we actually want to show people that it does work so it needs to be sustainable in order for us to um acquire new gardens i will say a couple of years ago we did acquire an existing garden, the Pio Decimal Garden, that's in South Tucson. Um, it, it had been a garden that had been managed by the community for many, many years. And then they found themselves in a place where they couldn't do it anymore. And they asked us to take it over. And in that case, we did because it was already well established and we could see that it already had its history there. So I can't say it never happens, but having goals to have more gardens is um, probably a little bit in the future. But um, but not completely out of the question. Hey, you know how to grow things. You don't want to overwater this plant. That's right, exactly, exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of the downfalls of lots of things is is expansion too quick or not keeping it the the right stable size. You talking about stability is exactly what you're looking to do. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because you don't you don't want to just uh, make a, a egregious error with mm-hmm. something just because it is. I, I'm shocked personally. I feel like community gardens should just be a movement that one day yeah. will be a tidal wave of like. Oh, everyone finally started doing it because mm-hmm. it just makes sense. And then you sometimes see it in other countries or on rooftops, rooftop gardens in those urban centers. And it's like, 
yeah, why isn't that just the standard? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because uh, certain people are in power and they yes. stop that sort of thing. <laughs> I would love to see that happen. I think it could, you know, we're starting to build relationships with the city of Tucson. The city of Tucson has their climate action plan, um, Tucson Resilient Together, I believe it's called. And one of the things in their plan uh, that they want to do to address climate change is really promote local food production and more composting mm-hmm. to deal with their waste issues that they have at the landfill. So um, we are going to be starting um, to have uh, four of our gardens coming up. We will be hearing about this soon. Um, will be drop-off sites for compost. That's another thing. So there's a lot of people who may not have the time or inclination to grow, but they know that they don't want their their food waste to be going in the trash. They would love to be able to compost it. They just can't compost it at home. Maybe they live in an apartment or they just don't have the ability to do it. So we're going to be working with the city to do that and so that people can drop off their compost and then we can build compost for our gardens and working with Compost Cats, which is another entity that's working with the city. I love the Compost Cats. Yes. Yes. I'm going to try to have them on. I asked if I could have them on and they're like, oh, we're not technically a 5-1-C-3. We work for the... I'm like, I think that kids doing this is fine. I'll be able to get them on here at some point. You should. Yes, mm-hmm. I want to do that. I'll yeah. be honest with you, it's, uh, we're like running out of time. We've talked about all this stuff. Sure. Can you believe it? Um, I almost want to ask you a question. Like, do you want to just go longer and make a, have two parts? Or do you want to just sum if it up? You, and you, If you want to keep talking. I sure. want to keep talking. Okay. All right. So okay. I'm not going to rush things off. Okay. I'm going to just keep going. Tell me, because there's two more programs that we're going to talk about, and they do have to do with moving here, gardening in general, and the education. Right. So let's talk about your desert gardening program, Mm -hmm. because all these people that do move here like me and like other folks from other areas, other climates and with what we're dealing with climate change. How are you teaching people about the desert gardening program or what are you teaching people in the desert gardening program? So that's kind of a a mixed bag of educational opportunities at the the individual gardens themselves. So um, we do have uh, most of the gardens, and we encourage this with the site coordinators, although we can't require it, we have monthly meetings in the individual gardens. So the gardeners can come together, do some maintenance on a regular basis, and then learn um, from, oftentimes it's from their site coordinator. In the past, it's been with um, master gardeners and other educators. So, you know, it is not simple. I don't, I don't want to uh, lead people to think that it's easy to grow uh, in the in the desert. I think it is much easier in the winter mm-hmm. than in the summer. Um, but we do need to be teaching people really about the fundamentals of soil preparation. That's a big thing. That's where it all starts. Um, our soil, you know, you know that if you were to dig, it, first of all, could you even dig a hole in most of our soil? The answer is probably no. Right. Um, I know when I started my garden, I needed to get an excavator out there to dig down three feet. Wow. Um, and so we've done that. You know, it's and a lot. Of, most of our beds are pretty. You know, they have that compost that's been added for years now. And um, but we do have to make sure that each growing season we're adding amendments to it. It it just really taps. Um, the desert really taps those, uh, you know, the nutrients that are in the soil. So we need to make sure that um, the soil has what it needs in order for the vegetables to, to grow properly. And ultimately, it's that nutrition that you're giving to the soil that's nutrition that is going into the plants, and that's the nutrition that you're eating. And so we teach people a lot about um, preparing the soil by adding compost or steer manure to it. Um, we are big fans of, of composting, and we do uh, encourage people we do not allow any sort of pesticides or herbicides to kill off um, plant or um, bugs or weeds. Nice. 
Um, that makes it a little bit harder, though. It absolutely, I mean, it, it in that we, you know, you can't just spray something. You right. have to, if you've got aphids, you've got to. I was just going to say, I hate aphids. <laughs> yeah, I hate aphids. Gotta, well, you got to break out the soapy water and rub yep. them off, you know, yep. and you got to pay attention to it and you got to have those hands involved. And if you stop paying attention to it, then it could be a problem. But again, once you, if you've got the soil health in place and you actually have the foundation, then oftentimes things will take care of themselves. And it's that, you know, when you kill off some bugs or whatever, you're, there's many, many beneficial bugs. Most of us can't tell the difference between the ones that are killing our plants versus the ones that are actually beneficial. Like a ladybug mm -hmm. is going to eat your aphids, right? Mm -hmm. So you want the ladybugs. But if you spray it, you're going to kill the ladybug too. So we want to make sure that we're educating people about sustainable practices and that they are organic in nature. Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, water in the desert is another big thing. So we teach people that the drip irrigation system is the best way to get the most water to the roots of the plants without mm -hmm. the evaporation. Okay. So it's the best water saving technique to use in the desert. We teach them about how to install the drip irrigation and change it and things like that. So those are those are the main focus. Then the time of your planting um, that can be and that's changing. You know, we have a planting guide on our website, but at the same time, it's like, well, um, things are happening out there that weren't happening before. So the guide is a good general guide, but year to year, we might find that there are differences. You might, you know, plant a, a lettuce plant in September because that was always the right thing to do. And if it stays hot through October, it might bolt before it even gives you much. Mm. So we, we do need to be teaching them how to be kind of intuitive about it and really think about the weather as uh, the changing weather as something they should be thinking about what they're growing. But now let's just talk about some of the ways that you get everything done. Some of the people helping you uh, that are involved with community gardens and how others can get themselves involved. Because there's a lot of ways to get involved with the community gardens of Tucson without getting your hands dirty entirely. So let's talk about some of that. First, the biggest thing, let's thank some of your community partners. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the friends that have helped you make this organization so great? There are so many entities that have helped us. So we have a wide variety of ways that people can help. So we've got a bunch of different um, businesses that have helped us through our Adopt-A-Garden program. So if you have a business, whether it be a small business or you're part of a larger corporation, it doesn't really matter. If you're willing to make a donation to a particular garden, um, so for example, the Denton Family Foundation recently um, donated um, for our garden. We have Home Depot that's given us a bunch of different supplies to build those raised beds. They're adopting gardens. Wow. Um, I mean, it could be really anything. We'll put your, uh, we'll put a thanks of a sign for your business on our garden, um, asking you, you know, thanking you for, for what you've done. Um, and so that's an ongoing opportunity for people to really support us and also get a little bit of um, eyes on your your. Uh, logo and mm -hmm. get get the thanks out there. Um, so those are the recent ones. As far as other nonprofit organizations, we, like I said, we worked with the Community Bank of Southern Arizona. We work with, um, we have a, a good number of refugee gardeners. So we work with the International Rescue Committee. Um, many people come from overseas to, to this country and their background and their, you know, what they know and what they cherish is agriculture. And they come here and there isn't a lot of opportunity to do that. And they want to continue doing it. They might want to continue growing foods that you, they can't even buy here in the grocery stores. Mm. So we work with the International Rescue Committee to make sure that we can communicate effectively. We actually do, uh, they offer translation services to us so they can understand what they're, you know, what they're getting into and what the requirements are. And, and then, um, you know, uh, 
we basically have uh, many of our gardens actually have refugee gardeners. So we've worked with Ishkashita, which is a local organization that actually gleans produce from trees. So when we have a, a glut of grapefruits and and oranges and things like that, they will come out and and uh, offer it to their refugee populations. So there is a there. I mean, over the years, there's probably hundreds of organizations that have helped us do what we do because we're really almost exclusively we're not a hundred percent volunteer. Like I said, we do have an administrative manager, hopefully an executive director here soon. We have an operations manager, somebody who's helping in our gardens um, with the with the watering and the, the maintenance and stuff. But other than that, every single thing that's done is through or um, volunteers or organizations who are helping to support us. So we really um, couldn't do it without them. Yeah, volunteering is the biggest message I always talk about here on Lifestyle Tucson. It's helped my life entirely. It's about making those friends and getting out in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really the most important part of things. So if you're not a big, big, big corporation like Home Depot, you can still help by volunteering. And the interesting thing about your website that I noticed is that you give a lot of options on how to volunteer. So let's talk about some. It's not just going there and digging. It's not just going there and doing that. There's a lot to do, the work it does take. So let's just talk about some of the ways that you can volunteer. I got a list. Stop me when uh, you feel like uh, adding some in. There's maintenance and general cleanup at gardens on garden work days, of course. You got mm -hmm. installation of new equipment or construction of a new garden. Mm -hmm. I know my roommate would love that sort of thing. And I know that when uh, I was doing Navy week here on Lifestyle Tucson, the Naval officers came to Tucson and they went to various organizations like yours that would be like, oh, we, we did help build that day. That's mm -hmm. what they did. Mm -hmm. So even if it is going to volunteer by constructing some of these things, some of the beds you were talking about, mm -hmm. that's an important way to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So then you've got attendance at events representing uh, CGT, such as Earth Day or other sustainability events. Tell me about that. What can people yeah, do we, there? We want to make sure there's still, we find that there's still a lot of people who have never heard of us. So uh, we appreciate you helping out, out with yeah. that with this because a lot more people are going to hear of us just from listening to this. Um, so we do like to get out to community events and just get people to understand that we exist mm -hmm. and how how you can become involved. Uh, Earth Day is one of those, but we have, a, you know, it just varies month to month. Not a whole lot in the summer, but in those fall and winter months when there's a lot of community events happening, um, we do tabling. And so having people um, there to, to help represent, sometimes staffing that can be a little bit difficult if they're on the weekends, so helping with that. Um, I mean, but there are so many other things like really there's, you could be, we have a volunteer who just, she just puts our newsletter together. She doesn't mm -hmm. write the article. She's just, she's just putting it together, right? That's one little task that yes. she has that she can do. Um, we are looking for more, um, people to serve on our board of directors as well. Oh. Um, we have built it up pretty well, but we are looking to get a, a maximum of 15. Okay. We're at nine now. Um, we're particularly looking for folks with uh, legal experience or like accounting experience, that kind of thing. So you could volunteer on, we have monthly meetings on our board of directors. Again, we're moving out of the working board and trying to be just a general board. So it's not so intense. We right. want to make sure the more people we have involved, the less there is to do for everybody. So we did at a time when we were kind of, when it was slim pickings, it was a little difficult because there were not enough people. Yeah. Now there are more people and that we want even more people to be involved. And, um, you know, I mean, we are a nonprofit, so fundraising is a huge uh, time consuming task, right? So, you know, every year we can be accepting donations from folks. I want to mention that we are a qualified charitable organization. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what that is, um, it's there's a long list of organizations that you can give. If you're a single person, you can donate up to $400 a year. If you're a married couple, $800 a year. 
and you can give that right at the end of the year. It goes 100% of it goes to the Community Gardens of Tucson. I'll tell you what, $800 goes a long way for it us. It does. This is a tax order. credit, right? This, this is, is your annual you tax a, credit. Yeah, when you file your taxes, um, if you're paying, you got to make sure you're paying that much in state taxes, then you get 100% of that back. So it's literally just a lag time of that you might be out that $400 or $800 between the time you donate and the time you actually get your tax refund. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's going to come back to you. So it's literally no money out of your pocket. And you can give us up to $800 and it's nothing out of your wallet. It's going to come back to you. So that is by far such an easy way for people to um, support us. It's very similar to the school tax credit mm -hmm. program, but it's not the same. It's just for charitable organizations. It's a separate donation. I believe I even had uh, IBE on talking about how the tax credit works really in depth. Go check it out. Previous episode of Lifestyle Tucson. If I could understand it, I know that you can, mm -hmm. because a lot of these great organizations talk about how those tax credits really do go far. And it is a way for you to like donate almost a thousand dollars to something that you truly believe in without actually giving a dime. That's right. That's incredible. And these are the programs that like we all complain about government, but that's the thing that the government that did correctly. Like that's right. But not enough people know about it or take advantage of it. So you that's should right. just you gotta do it. It's in place. You gotta do it. Yeah, it's essentially your state, it's directing your state tax dollars to something you want it to go to. Yeah. That's basically it. So you can have it be a free-for-all and let the state decide where your money goes, or you can have a little more power in where those state tax dollars go. And that's how it's how it's done. So well, that, I encourage sounds, everybody to look into it. That sounds like taxation with exact representation. Yeah, exactly. You're representing yourself. <laughs> that's right. That's sure. Don't throw the tea anywhere now. We've yeah. got it. So that's pretty good. I want to also talk about uh, the newsletter, because mm -hmm. you have a great newsletter, and there's all the back issues of the newsletter. Are they issues? All the back issues mm -hmm. of the newsletter are right there on the site. Mm -hmm. A lot of great info and a lot of great info about your partners, about your successes. Mm -hmm. I, I often ask, so tell me a success story. There's 100 of them right there in these newsletters. Mm -hmm. That's super important. So go subscribe to the newsletter. That's just a good way to just stay involved, stay informed, but you never know when something is going to get you motivated. Mm -hmm. If some of what we're saying is planting the seeds of desire to do something, go just go subscribe to that newsletter and they might give you some information that's going to actually get you to get up and go. That's right. And yeah. you do not have to be gardening with us to receive our newsletter. So right. sign up for it and you'll learn all about every month what we're doing and what the hop topics are, where the work parties are. Um, you'll you'll see something from our um, usually one member of our board of directors will will write an intro. We highlight our employees and you know learn. You can stay in touch with everything we're doing month to month through that newsletter. Yeah, it's really again if you're a person that really does have like a green thumb and cares about this, this is an organization that you want to help because they really care about your goals. They really care about the community of gardening and gardeners here in the city. Uh, another way, I believe, is the Jim Click Raffle. Mm -hmm. So you can buy a Jim Click Raffle ticket for $25, and that's all supporting this organization. And I believe it's an awesome car or truck that that, that is up for grabs this year, right? Yes, it usually is, yeah. being the Jim Click. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, just a big pickup. Yeah, a big yeah. pickup. Mm -hmm. You could fit a lot of groceries in there, but more importantly, fit a lot of vegetables that you grow yourself in there. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Maybe take them to the old... Uh, do you do stuff with... Um, like the, 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 the farmer's markets, when it comes to having some of this excess maybe vegetation or excess, mm -hmm. like I grew far too much squash, uh -huh. you know, it's always squash. Mm -hmm. Like, do you, do you partner with some of those groups? We haven't historically done that because typically what we do with, well, 
we try to guide people to actually grow what they what they want to eat mm -hmm. and then what they can eat. But if you're a single person and you've got 60 square feet and you're doing it right, you probably have too much. Yeah. So what can you do? Um, we, we would, it, again, nothing against the farmer's markets, but it takes staffing. It takes time. Right, right. Um, we don't usually have so much that we could actually sell it week to week. Um, but, uh, you know, that... We, we basically encourage people to share it through that community concept of like put put out an email to all your gardeners or put you know put put a sign in your plot that says feel free to pick my tomatoes I have too many of them um, the other thing is that the community food bank does have consignment so people okay. are free if there are folks who have multiple plots and they want to try to make some some money off of it they can do uh, consignment through the community food banks farmers markets do you think it would be smart for a community food bank to try to actually have a garden like this? They have their own. Okay. They do have their own. Um, they have Las Melpitas, which is um, their own garden for their community. It's on oh. the west side of I-10. Um, I think they may have another garden too. So, And they have their own farmer's market. So we're we're partners. We definitely have very similar mission yeah. um, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, well, us growing at their farmer's markets is just a little bit beyond, I guess, what our realistic capacity could be. It's about growing smart and yeah. even your organization growing it smart, not overgrowing it, not overstaffing, not doing it in a way right. that doesn't make sense. And even that is the best answer is like, no, your community garden is like people don't overgrow. They're growing what they need. They're mm -hmm. growing that amount. So that's smart and really makes sense because again, if you do it too much in one direction, it disrupts the ecosystem of that garden. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of when it comes to the ecosystems, but let's also talk about another great way that you can help out is beautiful cards. So you've got mm -hmm. beautiful cards. Local artist Sandy Smith creates beautiful greeting cards. And the images are from vegetables grown in the community gardens. They're great okay. photos. They are. Mm -hmm. Like it's something like. It's gorgeous. It is. Like mm -hmm. they, you make these carrots look amazing. They look like art. Some of those things that just that bulb, that that photo of that gorgeous vegetation mm -hmm. is amazing. 100% of the proceeds go to the community gardens of Tucson. You could purchase them. It's $15 for a package of six cards. And they are also available locally if you want to go to the Tucson Audubon Nature Shop, Antigone Books right there on 4th, and the Tohono Chul Park Museum Shops. You can get them there, or you can go find them probably on the website, order them right there, correct? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. What's your website again? Community Gardens of Tucson. Uh, .org. Yeah, it's a yep. .org for yep. sure. That's how you know they're sure mature. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're an actual org. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about some of these goals going forward. It's just about growing smart, doing it, being sustainable the way that you're doing. Let's just talk about if there is anything specifically that pops your mind. Like, just tell me one of your favorite success stories of the community gardens of Tucson. Like, do you have like a specific thing that stands out? An individual, perhaps? Um... I would say I I, th I think back to the the folks who started the community gardens of Tucson. They're actually passed away now. Mm -hmm. um, that was George Brook Brookbank and Darlene Schacht. And um, I think about the time that I you know many years after they started the community gardens of Tucson, I decided to start the Highland Vista Garden and have it be affiliated with the community gardens of Tucson. And they you know especially George Brookbank, he used to be a, a master gardener at the Cooperative Extension, so passionate about uh, about building community through gardening. And he had been part of it for so long, but yet he went out of his way when I started my garden to come to our garden meetings, to provide the education. He was like 90 years old. Wow. At the time, you know, and so he alone uh, inspired me to continue, like be really passionate about this. I could see through him what he, 
you know, what was he was trying to achieve by starting this organization. And the fact that we've been able to maintain it for so long, it is not easy to maintain, a, a, especially one of our size. We do not have a lot of research. Like I said, we've never had an executive director. That's yeah. how small we are. Yeah. So we've managed to succeed with through a board of directors and some dedicated staff and volunteers over 30 years, succeeding on George Bookbrink's um, idea of what he wanted through the community gardens of Tucson. And honestly, that's the thing that, that's the success story is just that we've been able to maintain what he started. And I think that he would be proud of that if he were still here today. I mean, I've been talking, I think that he would be damn proud. I said, damn again, that's right. (laughs) Uh, So I always ask this, because again, we're going to, you know, this is a two-parter. So I just want to ask you, if you had one wish for your organization, what would it be? I would wish for uh, continued sustainability. And that is, like I said, that's difficult. So I would wish that there's plenty of people involved in a variety of ways that we've talked about maintaining that and that we do not have to um, worry about going into the red and Mm -hmm. we can pay our staff and we can maintain our gardens. And ultimately, like we talked about uh, in the previous episode, uh, that we that we could actually grow because we do want this movement to, to grow and get bigger. Um, we do want people to understand the connection between gardening and health, physical health, mental health, community health, um, spiritual health, really. I mean, it is, you know, sometimes you get out there and you see things like, I, you know, I saw these beautiful birds that were attracted to the fl- sunflowers that we had. These birds, I, they had their little teeny birds with yellow bellies. I didn't see them ever except the fact that they loved these flowers. Wow. So you get, you know, you have those moments sometimes in the garden. And so if we, if we could grow that and build it and really allow people to see what can happen in a garden space um, and have it be a, a, a lot more prolific, especially with younger people, mm-hmm. um, that would be that would be my wish. One of my favorite things, that's a good wish. One of my favorite things that's happened is uh, I hang out with um, my girlfriend's little son, right? Mm-hmm. And I can get him very easily to put that Nintendo Switch down and we'll go out and it's like, let's look at leaves. Mm-hmm. He does. He loves nature. He goes, let's hunt bugs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go hunt yeah. some bugs. <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny because that's the thing about hanging out with kids is that you really get to see the world again mm-hmm. and you see things that you don't you know, in a way, take advantage of a respect, like a leaf mm-hmm. and how pretty a leaf can be. And then when you look at several leaves, let's look at these leaves, him describing why one leaf is better than another, him picking up the tiniest spider, right? Mm-hmm. The tiniest spider I've ever seen. He's like, I want to keep the spider. He named him. It's in a cup. We need an ant to feed the spider. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go find a tiny, the tiniest ant. And I'm like kind of rolling my eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, that stupid ant made a beeline right to that spider. And that spider, that was again, the size of like a dot. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, just whips around that little ant and go. I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, look, it's happening. Oh, yeah. oh, and we're excited and talking about it. And uh, that's nature. And you know what? I th- I I think adults should be watching children in that way yeah. a lot more because that is just who we are inherently. We kind of learn to not be that way over time, mm-hmm. right? So if we can watch children and younger people in those spaces and see their enthusiasm and see what actually is uh, intriguing them, um, we could we could be learning a lot from that. And I think we'd be happier people. Well, I think too. so, too. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Kids seem to be pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. But uh, I'll tell you, it helps when you're out there in the world, out there communing with nature for real, mm-hmm. feeling it and getting involved. And again, just hanging out with people. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I like the most about it is just getting together and having a project, a group project that at the end of the day, you all did something that you can be proud of. You grew something that exists and is real. And I believe that is absolutely the way I'll get that kid to eat carrots. Absolutely. Yeah, and right? Well, it's, sometimes it's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Where can people discover more information about Community Gardens of Tucson online and on social media? So um, www.communitygardensoftucson.org is our website. We have uh, almost everything you need on that website. And even if you're just a gardener and you want to learn about how growing in the desert, I would encourage you to go to that website to see all the different educational resources that we have there. And then we are on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Community Gardens of Tucson. There you go. Please easy, follow us. Easy yes. to follow, easy to mm-hmm. spot. That sounds so good. And you better go follow along because today we made friends with Natalie Shep. Board Vice President of Community Gardens at Tucson, whose vision is to create a stronger, healthier, more vibrant Tucson through our community gardens and partnerships. Thank you for joining me today, Natalie. Thanks for having me. I've had so much fun. Yay! This was Lifestyle Tucson. <laughs> bing bong bing. Time for a recap. A mega, mega episode of Lifestyle Tucson. I made a radio edit version, but the conversation was going so well, I just want to keep it going. So that's here exclusively on the podcast. So thanks for checking it out you got all the extra details about the community gardens of tucson which is great and if you want more details why don't you go sign up for their newsletter over at communitygardensoftucson.org you can uh follow them on instagram at community gardens tucson follow them on facebook at facebook.com slash community gardens of tucson go buy those postcards they're gorgeous right if you're not walking around you can get them online but you might find them at tucson autobahn nature shop antigone books and Tohono Chul Park Museum Shops. When you're in there and you notice them, remember you heard about them on Lifestyle Tucson. Go buy a raffle ticket from Jim Click because it's the millionsfortucson.org raffle and it's your chance to win a 2023 Ford Bronco Raptor. That's the truck that he's given away this year. Second place is two first-class tickets to anywhere in the world. Well then, <laughs> and uh, restrictions apply for that, of course. I'm not sure if there's any ahs or parts unknown. But third place is $5,000. So why don't you go buy one of those raffle tickets? I think they start at $25. Go find out all the details over at millionsfortucson.org. What a good time. I really enjoyed my conversation today. I really can't thank Natalie enough for staying as long as she did. So uh, yeah, I want to thank our new friends at Community Gardens of Tucson for joining me today. You've been listening to Lifestyle Tucson. If you're a nonprofit that would like to be on the show, email lifestyletucson at gmail.com. For more information about this program or to listen to something you may have missed, go to the Sunday Mornings page on klpx.com, kfma.com, mixfm.com, or espntucson.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sprouting. Follow on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Lifestyle Tucson because I'm your BFF, your best Frank forever, Frank Powers, Tucson. I love you the most.